the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. Happy Monday. The number is 303-873-1935 if you want to join me on the program Crosswalk with Gino Geraci. It is, of course, well, the program where we typically take your calls and answer your questions about the things you care the most about. We talk about God and the historical Jesus. We talk about the Bible. We talk about worldviews and world religions. There's so much to talk about today in the news. And if we do just a very brief rundown of the news, there's lots to talk about from a trans church shooter in Houston. Well, um, at Joel Osteen's church to... um, Super Bowl backlash. And of course, if you'd like to join me on the program, it's 303-873-1935. And last week I talked a little bit about the upcoming Super Bowl ads that we're going to be playing and uh, the He Gets Us campaign. And again, I I have some thoughts on the He Gets Us campaign, but um, and happy to share those. But again, if you'd like to join me, it's 303-873-1935. There was a record-breaking 115 million people, apparently, watching the Super Bowl. I don't know who you rooted for, whether it was the Kansas City Chiefs or the San Francisco 49ers. But again... That amount is the largest number in the 58-year history of the Super Bowl. And guess what? The Super Bowl showdown between the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco also broke another record. Experts estimate that a historic 678 million people. Now, I want you to just think, pause, and just let this sink in. 115 million people watched the Super Bowl. Another 67.8 million people gambled $23.1 billion on the game's outcome. Now, that's 44% higher than the previous record of $16 billion worth of bets that was placed by 50.4 million people that was set last year. Now, these surveys, or actually these statistics, come from a survey that was made by the American Gaming Association. And what that means is, more than one out of every four Americans, that's 26%, wagered money on the Super Bowl. 
which I found, well, pretty interesting. 303-873-1935. That's the number. Wow. Excuse me. It's oxygen deprivation. (laughs) 303-873-1935. And one of the, the, the problems that, and I know my friend Jim Dennison wrote a column on it, and I'm going to get to that. But uh, a lot of people took umbrage of having to watch, well, Taylor Swift watch Travis Kelsey watch the Super Bowl because I'm thinking more people thought, you know, I want to watch the Super Bowl. I don't want to watch Taylor Swift watching the Super Bowl. And so it's it's actually pretty interesting. And um, it's a whole nother conversation to have about gambling. And I guess I can talk a little bit about that. What does the Bible have to say about gambling? And... Hopefully, prayerfully, I can get to that. But unlike the NFL teams, the game is undeniably slanted in favor of the bookies and against the gamblers on sports. One of their advantages comes from a process known as past posting or late betting. The firms that take sports bets are able to watch the game virtually in real time while latency times mean viewers are anywhere between 15 seconds to a full minute behind. And online gambling agencies will take the bets if they're going to win. And if they're not going to win, they, they just simply don't take the bet. So in a very real sense, it's a rigged game in that sense. Now, most Super Bowl bets remain illegal. Although online or in-person sports betting is legal in 38 states. So you can imagine hosting the Super Bowl in Las Vegas and noting that gambling is legal in 38 states in the District of Columbia. According to the American Gaming Association, it says 28.7 million adults or 11% intend to place online wagers using a legal United States sports book. And so, guess what? An increasing number of children raised receiving quick, quick hits of dopamine from video games have been getting caught on the web, participating in online gambling. Now, this is interesting. A whopping 60 to 80% of high school students say that they've gambled for money in the past year, according to the International Center for Youth Gambling Problems and High-Risk Behaviors. All of that fairly interesting. And according to WashingtonStand.com, WashingtonStand.com, it says, and I quote, Yale medicine psychiatrist Dr. Mark Potenza has conducted brain imaging studies on people who said they have gambling problems and found that the brain acts similarly 
during monetary reward processing in individuals with gambling disorder as it does in people with binge eating, alcohol use, and tobacco use disorders. So though, although officially 1% to 2% of Americans between 3.3 and 6.6 million Americans are self-reported problem gamblers. You remember when you hear people do sports betting and they go, if you have a problem with, with gambling, call this number. So can you imagine 3 to 6 million Americans self-report that they have a problem? And 10 to 15% of young people have a serious problem, according to the American Psychiatric Association, which classifies gambling as an addiction or addictive behavior. So 303-873-1935. 303-873-1935. That's my number if you want to join me on the program. And I'm happy to take your call. I'm going to talk a little bit about, well, is gambling a sin? And should a Christian participate in sports betting? Well, if you'd like to join me on the program, it's 303 303- 873-1935, that's the number if you want to join me on the program. I'll be right back. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. And again, thanks for joining me on the program Crosswalk with Gino Dracy. I do need to just also remind you that if you're sick and tired of those achy joints, I was thinking of the post-game and all of those players playing and how much time they must have been spending uh, trying to recover and then thinking of the millions of dollars that they made. But if you're sick and tired of achy joints and if you dread the idea of surgery, you can call QC Kinetics today. Listen, the state of healthcare is always changing and the old ideas like steroids and surgery, are no longer your only options. Regenerative medicine at QC Kinetics is transforming lives with innovative non-surgical drug-free treatments that deliver lasting results. Do you have knee pain, back pain, shoulder pain? Is it from arthritis or injury? Don't let that pain keep you from living your best life. QC Kinetics' advanced state-of-the-art treatments harness and direct your body's ability to restore and repair damaged joint tissue. This is a revolutionary approach that can get you long-term relief with no downtime. Make 2024 the year you reclaim mobility, reclaim your independence, walk, run, play, live without the danger and trauma of surgery and without harmful drugs. Call QC Kinetics now for a free consultation. That's right. You can call 303-900-8986. That's 303-989-86. So a couple of things. We were talking about the big game, and uh, I was talking about more people watch this Super Bowl than any Super Bowl in the history of Super Bowls, and more people bet more money than has ever been bet on a Super Bowl. And it went from the millions to the billions of dollars. 
The question, is gambling a sin? Is gambling a sin? Well, the Bible doesn't specifically condemn gambling or betting or the lottery for that matter. But the Bible warns us in principle against the love of money. Most of you are familiar with 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, where it says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, it says, Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So the scripture encourages us to avoid all of those get-rich-quick scams, schemes that were to work hard and earn a living. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10, it says, For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. In Proverbs chapter 14, verse 23, it says, In all toil there is profit, but mere talk tends only to poverty. Now, this is a bizarre proverb if you're a talk show host or if you have a daily radio program. In all toil there is profit, but mere talk tends only to poverty. So I think what the writer of Proverbs is saying, all talk and no work, well, it's going to make you poor. But what if your job is to talk? (laughs) I remember in high school, Mr. Brimhall, my English teacher, he said, Mr. Geraci, will you please shut up? Do you think people will pay to hear you speak? And I thought, are there jobs like that? Well, gambling focuses on the love of money and tempts people with the promise of quick and easy riches. From my perspective, gambling in its most generous form, is a kind of tax on the poor. And in its worst debilitating form is something that holds out hope um, for money. So gambling, if done in moderation and only on occasion, might be, well, a waste of money. But does that make it evil? Well, people waste money on all sorts of activities. If you don't think... So when I think about the enormous amount of money, Producer Jim, that was spent just simply 
people watching the Super Bowl or the ads that were placed for the Super Bowl, the amount of money paid to the Super Bowl participants and the halftime participants, you know what, it it seems strange, but that pales in comparison to the amount of money that exchange hands during gambling. So do people waste money on all, all sorts of things? Yes. Is gambling more or less a waste? Well, is it a waste to go golfing or watch a movie and get some popcorn? Is that a waste? Is eating an unnecessarily expensive meal a waste? Is purchasing a worthless item a waste? And, of course, the fact that money is wasted on all kinds of things certainly isn't a good argument to justify gambling or to not justify gambling. Money shouldn't be wasted, but cutting wasteful spending can save money for the future or maybe even actually doing something wonderful, powerful. Gambling only adds to the waste. 303 873 1935. 303 873 1935. Let's see who's up. Joy, welcome to the program. Hello. Welcome. Um, I, thank you. Nice to be talking to you. I just wanted to share that I don't think that Christians should gamble because I'm looking at uh, the parable of the talents in Matthew 24 14 through 30. Uh-huh. Uh, the servant that lost the money was cast out into utter darkness for their swelling and gnashing of teeth. Those that invested what God gave them was rewarded and got more. They didn't gamble but invested. Then also Deuteronomy 8, 18 through 19, which states that it is God that gives you the ability to make wealth, and all we have belongs to him, so it's not ours to gamble. Yeah, I don't disagree. Well, in my view, gambling is minimum poor stewardship of God's given resources, even using the example that you just gave on the talent. So here God gives resources, and mm-hmm. and then you can multiply those resources through honest work. But yeah. in my view, gambling promotes greed it promotes covetousness, which is wanting more of something that you already have enough of, and then it rejoices in the misfortune of others. That's because right. guess what? With every bet comes a winner and a loser. That's right, and then it fix your family, too. <laughs> well, you're family to end up on the street. I have someone in my family that broke up their marriage. Oh, wow. And the Without a mother, because she had a gambling addiction. Yeah, it's not. It, it's not. It's a serious problem, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah, I. Um, I. I. I'm not a gambler, and I'm not a lottery player. The only time I've ever played the lottery is if a person has purchased the ticket and then just given it to me like a stocking stuffer. I mean, I I would never do that. I would never purchase a lottery ticket for myself. It's just not who I am. 
Nope, I've had somebody give me a ticket also. Absolutely. <laughs> but thank you for just letting me share what I felt about that, Gina. No, I'm glad that you did. And I, I hope more people like you will share what they think. Hey, Joy, thanks for calling 303-873-1935. That's the number if you want to join me on the program, 303-873-1935. I'll be back. Hey, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. So glad you could join me on the program again. The number is 303 303- 873-1935. I've been talking a little bit about the Super Bowl, talking about betting. I'm going to be talking about some of the things in the news here in just a moment. But as you can imagine, um, sports betting is huge. And for years and years and years, there was a sort of anti-gambling stigma in the United States. Um, people would go to Las Vegas or they would go to these particular places and and do betting. And then with the proliferation of the Internet, there was online betting. And as you can imagine, the stigma of betting has, for the most part, fallen away. And sports betting has become extremely popular. As a matter of fact, sports betting serves, if you will, to support programs. Um, If you're watching certain TV programs or listening to certain radio programs, it's not unusual for them to be sponsored by sports betting corporations. And, of course, betting on sporting events means that a person risks some money in the hopes of getting a greater return. If the only factor were picking the winners or the losers, there may not be a whole lot of chance involved. More often than not, the better team wins, and often the better team is evident. So to make things more competitive, bets are often placed on how large the margin of victory will be. This introduces an additional dimension of the unknown and makes winning the bet more challenging. So imagine the Super Bowl where you say, well, is it even money between Kansas City and San Francisco? Or is it uh, a three-point favorite one way or the other? And so, as you can imagine, there's a lot of different factors that can make it more... What's the word I'm looking for? Um... I guess, inevitable. In other words, if you've got a a team that's lost 100 games in the season when it comes to baseball and you've got another team that's won the World Series, the chances are that the team that's won the World Series versus the team that lost 100 games in the regular season, that that team is most likely to lose. So when you think about sports betting, I think you need to think about three things, sovereignty, stewardship, and society. So in sovereignty, most gambling has an element of chance. Some gambling, like the lottery, is pure chance. 
Other games require more skill. Sports betting is probably somewhere in the middle. As the serious gambler, gambler will have carefully analyzed both teams, um, have more than an educated guess about who's likely to win. However, those who gamble often don't recognize that God is in ultimate control. God is sovereign over everything. They often assume that everything is the result of blind chance or a combination of chance or a combination of chance and cause and effect within a closed system. And so for many people, they don't recognize that God maintains final control and that we don't know what his purposes may or may not be in the outcome of a sporting event. And, of course, without knowing God's purposes, it seems foolish to bet on the outcome. I was thinking about that in this, the case of the of the Super Bowl because, you know, both teams have self-proclaimed Christians who give glory to God. But the one who hopes to win by gambling may often lack faith in God's ability to provide financially. It may not be true in every case, but before a Christian places a bet of any kind, you should carefully evaluate what the activity reveals about your own belief about the sovereignty of God. And then stewardship. The main reason people bet on sports or anything for that matter is to get money. In other words, is this a way in part to get something for nothing. And now they might argue, well, no, there is a risk, but there's a reward. And so God has given his approval on other ways of making money. And it seems that God's main mechanism for approval of generating wealth is to actually work. So what I'm wondering is, what is the relationship between gambling and work? Especially if your work is gambling. (laughs) Now, like I said, if a person starts a business, that requires the risk of capital. The business could fail. The owner could lose everything. You can invest in a stock market um, company. But the difference is that investment in companies is encouraging the development of goods and services. So is it a bet? It's not an attempt to get something for nothing. If a person invests money in a stock after careful investigation of the company, um, is that gambling? I don't think so. If another person, dare I use the term, plays the market by simply throwing money at stocks, based on tips or hunches, then that could be a form of gambling. A professional sports franchise owner usually risks a tremendous amount of money to buy a team, pay coaches and players, fund other expenses, but I'm sure it's the goal of every franchise to actually make 
money and then increase the value of the franchise, it involves risk. But I think that it's a risk within a framework that God has established as a means increasing wealth. So again, the issue of stewardship applies to all spending habits. Christians don't really own anything if you believe that the Bible is true. However, that doesn't mean that that literally... So you, you have this paradox, if you will. The Bible says, thou shalt not steal, which seems to indicate that you can own something, but legitimately... We know that Christians are stewards. We're called to manage. And so before placing a bet, a Christian should say, well, this is God's money, and he's given it to me for his kingdom. Is this good money management? What if I lose? And by the way, sooner or later, everyone loses. So you have... Sovereignty and stewardship and society. According to the North American Foundation for Gambling Addiction, the estimates were years ago that north of 10 million people are addicted to some form of gambling. And so... Again, when Christians participate in sports betting, they're supporting something that hurts a lot of families, a lot of individuals, just like the caller said earlier. But again, when a person creates goods and services in the open market, both buyer and seller profit. Paul said, I have the right to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything. But not everything is constructive. Another translation says, all things are lawful. But not all things are helpful. All things are lawful. But not all things build up. This is Gino Geraci. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. So glad you could join me on the program. Again, the number is 303-873-1935. I was reading an article about um, the best and the worst Super Bowl ads. At the top of the list was the Super Bowl ad uh, that featured Christopher Walken. It was a BMW commercial where a bunch of people are doing the best Christopher Walken impression and making fun of Christopher Walken in the commercial. And so it was pretty memorable. And you go down the list of the memorable ads at at the Super Bowl. But what was interesting to me is at the bottom of the list was the He Gets Us campaign. And one of the things that I found Interesting and disturbing, if you will, um, is that they chose to depict pro-lifers as villains and homosexuals as fabulous. 
And that should be a red flag right there. Because remember, it's an ad campaign. And in the ad campaign, they're asking some serious questions like, what exactly are you advertising? What What is the ad campaign for He Gets Us? What exactly are we being invited to get? And I think part of what we are being invited to get is that the premise is that the reputation of Jesus has been severely damaged by his evangelical followers. And so he gets us is in part meant to reorient what they perceive as damaging. As a matter of fact, if you go to their website, the He Gets Us website at hegetsus.com, um, it says, and I'm reading from their website, quote, our campaign comprises humble perspectives from a diverse group of Jesus fans and followers with a variety of faith journeys and lived experiences bound by a common desire to rediscover and share the compelling story of Jesus' life in a new way. Pause and think about that for just a moment, what they just said. We want to share the compelling story of Jesus' life in a new way. Okay, you mean in a way that's the same as the Bible or different from the Bible? Or do you want to share the compelling story of Jesus on ads on the Super Bowl? Um, are you talking about um, maybe financing uh, the chosen? Exactly what is the new compelling story of Jesus' life? Well, they go on and they say, we will make mistakes. Like anyone with a public message or who sets out to share an idea, we won't always get it right. Expect us to be human, okay? The campaign exists to remind us of the example that Jesus set while inviting all of us to explore his teaching, okay? I get that. The campaign exists, so I'm reading from their website, the campaign exists to remind us of the example that Jesus set. Okay, did Jesus set a good example? The, the answer is yes. But is it the example of Jesus that brings about salvation? Or is it his real death and resurrection? Is it his death for sin? And then he, they talk about inviting all of us to explore his teachings so that we can follow his example of confounding unconditional love because he gets us, all of us. Now, so from their website, he gets us, all of us. In what way does he get us? Does he get that we're sinners? Does he get that we need a savior? Is is that how he gets us? Or does he get that we're human? Just like the, they said, we're human and we're going to make mistakes. Okay. So is the ad campaign damage control 
for a group of people who think that Christianity has been grossly misrepresented. At their website, they were asked the question, what is your stance on the LGBTQ plus community? Here's their answer, word for word from their website. Quote, these are probably the most common questions we receive, and we understand why. Many of those who represent Jesus have made people in the LGBTQ plus community feel judged and excluded. And others in the Jesus community have simply ignored their stories and lived experiences. So let us be clear in our opinion. I'm reading their opinion just as they wrote it. So I'm going to quote them word for word. Jesus loves gay people, and Jesus loves trans people. That's true. Here's what else they wrote. The LGBTQ plus community, like all people, is invited to explore the story of Jesus and consider his example of unconditional love, grace, and forgiveness of others. No matter who you are, you are invited to explore the story of Jesus and consider what it means for your life. Now, as you explore the story of Jesus, where do you get the best information about the story of Jesus, about his prophetic entry into the world, about his teachings, about his message and his life and his death and his resurrection. Does that come from the Bible? If you are invited to explore the story of Jesus and consider what it means, did the message of Jesus include the message of repentance and belief in God? Did Jesus ask people who he loves and who he wants to impart grace and forgiveness to to admit their sin, to repent of their sin and be reconciled to the Father? So when it says you're invited to to explore the story of Jesus and consider what it means for your life, not you are invited to consider that your sin has separated you from God, that love and grace is applied when people acknowledge their sin, turn from their sin, repent of their sin. So what I'm wondering is I'm, I'm trying to go to their website. I'm trying to find a clear presentation of the Bible. They may be right. Many who claim to be a follower of Jesus may have felt people make make them feel uncomfortable. But but does it make people feel uncomfortable to say turn from your sin, receive the savior, believe Jesus? Interesting. Hey, thanks for joining me. 303-873-1935.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.